All right, so in one of his sermons, uh, you know I love Dr. Tony Evans. Not only do I like to read uh, his books, but I love to listen to that man preach. And in one of his sermons, uh, Dr. Tony Evans said something. And I put part of the quote on your handout, but I'm going to read the entire quote to you. Dr. Tony Evans said this, The kingdom of God is about God's righteousness, God's peace, and God's joy. The goal of the kingdom is not to keep other people in line with our preferences, but rather to pursue what God promotes. God's peace, God's joy, God's righteousness. And then he says this, We can use our freedom in two ways. Either we can tear down God's work and people's lives by flaunting our own freedoms, or we can build up others by being sensitive to our weaker brothers and sisters. The irony is that while we may have the freedom to do something, if we continue to do it knowing that it will weaken our brother or sister or cause them to stumble, then that action suddenly becomes evil. We are given freedom in God's word to build up the body in Christ, not tear it down. Uh, He was preaching that in one of his sermons when he was talking about kingdom uh, mindset and kingdom discipleship and kingdom ministry. And uh, I had to write that down. I I, I paused it, wrote, played, paused it, wrote, and um, man, what a powerful, powerful um, preaching that he did that, that day. But it goes right in line with what we're in. If you'll remember last week, we talked about freedom and what it meant to exercise freedom in kingdom ministry. And we're going to continue that conversation tonight. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, what does Paul do? I'll tell you what Paul does. Paul uses himself as an illustration of what it looks like to exercise freedom from a kingdom perspective. He's not patting himself on the back. What he's doing is he's saying, hey, I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I haven't already done or am doing. And uh, my cousin Mike Barm taught me that a long time ago on the farm. Uh, When I thought he was sitting in his truck just watching what was going on, uh, he got out of that truck and showed me how to do some stuff. And I remember he told me that. He said, Jeff, I'll never tell you to do something that I haven't already done or that I'm not willing to get in there and do with you. And that's what Paul is doing. Paul is telling the church, hey, this is what it means to be a Christ follower and how to live like one. And I'm not just telling you that. I'm in it with you. I have to live this life too. And that's what Paul does in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He uses himself as an illustration of exercising freedom with a kingdom perspective. And uh, I'm not going to try to read every single verse tonight. I'm probably going to leave out a few, but uh, I am going to try to get the heart of the passage. So this first passage I want to read to you is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, it is a little lengthy. It's 12 verses, but i got to read it because it, it, it all goes together. And so stay with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen... Jesus, our Lord, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? 
Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about the oxen that the Lord or that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But look at this. But we did not use this right. That is the key verse. Paul said, we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, when you look at the context of 1 Corinthians, we know that this was a challenged church. We know that there were challenges both inside the body and outside, out there in the world. Uh, we know that there were divisions. Paul has already dealt with that. There were divisions among the church. Uh, we know that they had dependency issues. Uh, we know that there was immorality. We know that they had all kinds of questions uh, of how to live. How do we live as Christ followers? And I want to remind you, the church that Paul is writing to, okay, the church that Paul is writing to, he previously um, if you want to call it this, founded that church just a few short years before. Uh, some scholars believe it was only about two years from the time that Paul went there and preached the gospel and the church was formed to this letter. So we're talking about relatively new believers in Christ. And so Paul, what he is doing is he's leading this church through its challenges, uh, but he also made sure to live the way he led. And that's what's important. Paul didn't just say, hey, go do this, and then he went and did the other. Paul said, do this because it's right, and I am doing it too. Okay, so he lived the way he led. So first of all, what does Paul do in these first 12 verses? First of all, Paul declared his apostleship and his freedom as such. Uh, Paul had the authority, not from man, he had the authority from the Lord Jesus to preach the gospel and to teach the gospel. And so Paul was called as an apostle from the Lord, not man. So he makes that very clear from the very beginning. And he defended the rights that he had as an apostle of the Lord, as an apostle of the gospel. He had rights, rights to eat, rights to drink, rights to marry if he wanted to, rights to work if he wanted to. And then Paul turns around and he uses daily experiences. I love this. He uses daily experiences and even Old Testament law to support his stance on the freedoms that he had as a Christ follower and as an apostle. As a matter of fact, he talked about a soldier. Did a soldier serve in the military at his own expense? What do you think the answer to that is? No. Soldiers got paid. They got paid. 
Um, did a farmer eat from his own fields? Yes. Did a shepherd drink from his own flocks? Yes. <laughs> he even quoted this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 25. Uh, to support his stance. It wasn't just about the oxen. It's very easy to go, oh, well, you know, it's about the rights of the oxen. No, Paul said it's a deeper truth. It's a deeper moral. He says this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing the harvest. So what Paul is talking about is, hey, as a Christ follower and as an apostle of Christ, As someone who preaches and teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have rights. I have rights. That's what he's saying. But don't you love it? Because in verse 12, what does he say about his rights? He forfeited them. Right? Paul forfeited his rights rather than hinder the message and the work of the gospel. Paul forfeited his rights. So he had a right to do this, and to do that, and to do this, and to do that. But what he did was, he took a step back. Before he exercised his rights for himself, he looked at his audience. He looked at the people he was trying to reach with the gospel and said, if I exercise this right, could it cause this brother or this sister to stumble? Because if it does, I won't do it. I'll forfeit that right before I will stumble, cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble. That's what he says. And I love this because he even says it again in verse 15. I didn't read that far down, but if you keep reading, in verse 15 he says, I have not used any of these rights. Paul's heart was whatever glorifies God, whatever furthers his kingdom, That's what I want to be a part of. And if that means I have to forfeit a right that I have as an apostle, then I will do it. I won't eat this if it causes that brother to stumble. I won't drink this if it causes that brother to stumble. In other words, I'm not going to hinder the gospel message and the gospel work just because I have a right. And I think that's so powerful because I think so many times our mindset can be, well, I have a right. And I'm going to do it because I got the right to do it. But did you exercise that right from a kingdom perspective, God's kingdom perspective, or did you exercise that right from your own perspective? And that's really what it comes down to. And I believe as a church, we need to make sure, right, as a body of believers, that our mindset is, How are we going to win lost people to the Lord? And if I have to forfeit, right, a right or a freedom in order to win someone to the Lord, can you put a value on that? I don't think you can. If it's one soul, it's worth it. If it's five souls, it's worth it. Sometimes we have to be willing to forfeit our freedom or our right, especially when it's about us, (laughs) We should forfeit that right when it comes down to kingdom perspective. So Paul, he goes a little further here, and I love this because he says this in verse 19. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. 
To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, talking about the Gentiles, though I am free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. Why? To win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture. What a hard passage of Scripture. Um, First of all, let's go back to that first passage, uh, verses 19 through uh, right there around 23. First of all, what we see is that Paul sacrificed, right? He sacrificed his own freedoms. Why? In order to serve others, and in order to win souls for the kingdom. That was his goal. His goal was, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? And boy, if he could preach Jesus to you in that moment, he was going to preach Jesus to you because his ultimate goal was not just how can I help you here on this earth, but let me tell you about life eternal, right? His goal was to win lost souls. You've heard it said many times, and you might even consider this. Some consider Paul the greatest preacher that has ever lived on the earth, the greatest evangelizer, the greatest soul winner who's ever lived on the earth. You know, uh, modern day, what do we talk about? We talk about Dr. Billy Graham, right? The man who preached the gospel to millions of people. And so Paul's goal, right, in his sacrifice, when he sacrificed his freedoms and his rights, he had a purpose in it. It was to make sure others were being served and that he had the opportunity to win lost souls for the kingdom. Dr. Tony Evans says this in his commentary. Paul refused, listen to this, Paul refused to exercise the rights he talked about earlier so that he couldn't be accused of acting from the wrong motives. I'm going to read that again. He exercised, right? He refused to exercise the rights that he talked about earlier so that he couldn't be accused of acting from the wrong motives. Paul lived like one under the law even though he was free from the law in Christ. Why? So that he might win Jews to Christ. He lived like one without God's law, though, of course, he was still under the law of Christ. Why? So that he might win Gentiles to the Lord. Dr. Evans goes on to say, though Paul was free from the Old Testament law at this time, he was not free to sin. I love that. Though he was free 
from the Old Testament law at this time because Christ has come, died, and rose again, he still was not free to sin or live as he wants. As a Christian, he was obligated, obligated to God's moral law in accordance with God's character. And so I agree with that. Listen, we're not bound by Old Testament law anymore, right? We're not bound by that. Christ has come and he has made all things new. But that doesn't give us a right to sin, right? Grace doesn't give us a right to just go out and live like we want. Oh, because God's got grace. You misunderstand grace if you think it's a get-out-of-hell-free card because that's not what it is, right? Your freedom, your freedom in this life and your freedom for eternity, oh, it wasn't free. It cost. It cost God everything. It costing Jesus Christ, his son. So there was a price that was paid. And so Paul then shifts gears, right? Because everything Paul was doing was for the gospel's sake. Everything Paul was doing was for the sinner's sake. And, and Paul's reward was nothing that man could give him. The reward was, I get to preach the gospel. I get the opportunity and the chance to win lost souls for the kingdom. That's all Paul was consumed with. He wasn't consumed with a pat on the back from man or anything that man could give him. His reward was, I'm doing what the Lord commissioned me to do. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love this because Paul understood his audience. If you'll remember, Corinth was a, a multicultural place, but it was filled with Greeks. There were Greeks and Romans everywhere in Corinth. And so Paul understood his audience, and he uses another analogy. Uh, it was an athletic analogy. He understood these people know about racing. And so to illustrate the importance of uh, not only knowing the ideals of Christian life, but living the Christian life, Paul talks about racing, right? And so for Paul, it really is this simple. For Paul, the Christian life is a race. The Christian life, it's a race. And as Christ followers, we should run in such a way to get the prize. Let me just tell you something. Paul was not the kind of guy that would just hand out a participation trophy. Now, that's what our world does, right? Oh, everybody gets a certificate. Everybody gets a medal. Everybody gets this and everybody gets first place. Paul says, nah, uh-uh. When they run, everybody run, runs, but how many prizes are given? One. Only one gets the prize. And Paul made it very clear. These people train and they run for a prize that is perishable, right? It won't last. But as Christ followers, we run the race and we run to win because we know that we will be rewarded, right, with a prize that is imperishable. It's a prize that the Lord himself will give us, and so it will never fade. It will never go away. I love Dr. David Jeremiah as well. Listen to what he says. He explains it this way in his commentary. He says, the worldly war is for the dominion of your mind. In other words, what's going on today in our world, the world wants your mind, right? The world wants you to think of what it wants you to think about and think how it thinks. And so he says the worldly war is for the dominion of your mind. The victory is won for the Christ follower in the study of God's word and the equipping of the spirit through prayer. So Dr. David Jeremiah says 
if this Christian life is a race and you are running this race, the world wants to slow you down. The world wants to stop you, right? By thinking like the world and thinking of the world. Dr. Tony Evans says as a Christ follower, what you do is you pour into God's word and let God's word pour into you and you pray that the spirit will lead you, guide you, direct you, open your heart, open your mind to know what God says. I love this because, again, in the Greek games, which Paul understood this, only one runner wins a prize. That prize, by the way, I did a lot of research and you probably know this already, but that prize was generally an olive wreath. It, it, was, it was one of those things that they wanted desperately. You know, like today, we want the big trophy, the gold. They wanted that olive wreath because they knew there was only one. And so they did everything. They put themselves into strict training, right, to win a prize that would die, that, that would die, right? Paul says, I put myself into strict training. I beat my own body. Not for a prize that's going to die, but that a prize that's going to live forever. A prize that is imperishable. And so Paul says Christ followers will win. I love that. He says Christ followers will win a crown that will last forever. And that's the way Paul looked at it. Paul, he didn't look at it like, man, I didn't get to eat that tonight. Oh, man, I didn't get to drink that tonight. Man, I didn't get the angel food cake tonight. It's not like he sat around feeling sorry for himself because he forfeited his rights. You know what he did? He forfeited his rights and he said, thank God. Thank God for that opportunity for me to give up my right so that she could be edified, so that he could be edified, so that I could share the gospel with this one and this one might, might trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's a mindset. It really is. And, and so this is about, this is about attitude. This is about priorities. This is about looking beyond self, right? And I'm going to tell you, the world, the world don't want you looking beyond self. Satan doesn't want you looking beyond self. Satan wants you to stay focused on you. What do you need? When do you need? How do you need? Look, Satan wants you to be a Burger King person. My way, right away. I'm just telling you. And Paul says, no, it's not that way. When you're a part of the kingdom, you you got to have a kingdom perspective. And just because you have a right doesn't mean you need to exercise it. Sometimes you need to forfeit it. And if you got a kingdom perspective, you'll know when to do it and why to do it. I love this. It's all about glorifying God. When I read the letters of Paul, and, and, and I'm talking about all of them, you can start in Romans and just work your way all the way through, whether it was a letter to a church or whether it was a letter to an individual. Uh, when Paul wrote a letter, at the end of the letter, one thing you knew about Paul was he wanted God to be glorified. He wanted God to have all glory for what was going on in his life, what was going on in the church. He wanted God to get glory. And if anyone or anything else was getting glory, he was fixing to call it out. And even if that meant calling himself out, and he did that a time or two. So it was about glorifying God. When I read Paul's letters, I wrote down three three S words. (laughs) I'm big on that. Sometimes I write down words. It's easier for me to remember. Paul was about surrender, sacrifice, and service. Every letter, Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, 
I'm just telling you, Paul was about surrender, sacrifice, and service. And it all fell under the umbrella of how can I glorify God? How can I glorify God with my words? How can I glorify God with my actions? And so in 1 Corinthians 8, it was about exercising freedom. In 1 Corinthians 9, it's still about exercising freedom. Guess what? We ain't going to get off this subject anytime soon. He's going to talk about rights and freedoms and exercising those rights and freedoms with a kingdom perspective. And so I want to leave you with one more nugget, one more nugget, okay? When we exercise our freedoms without regard of another's eternity, then it becomes about us. And when it becomes about us, it becomes more like the world and less like the word. So that's what I want to ask you. The freedom that you have in Christ, how are you exercising it? Is it benefiting you or is it benefiting others? Is it benefiting you? Are you, right, central to the freedoms or do you have a kingdom perspective? Real simple. Am I looking more like the world or am I looking more like the word? Because I'm going to tell you, that's a lot of what's wrong with the church today. That's a lot of what's wrong with the church today. We're trying to be more like the world, and we're just claiming the word, right? We're wearing the shirts. You know, I'm a Jesus freak, right? I, I, yeah, men's retreat, women's retreat. Wear the shirts, wear the bracelets, put the necklaces on, wear the jewelry. Woo! You know, carry our Bibles. Right? What about our actions? What, what about the people in front of us? Right? Are, are we more concerned about their eternity or are we more concerned about our luxury and our privileges and our freedoms and our rights? Again, you know, when you look at Paul, Paul said, Don't I have the right to be married? I mean, Peter is. Don't I, don't I have a right to this or that? This one does it, and that one does it. Again, he wasn't doing that to judge, or he wasn't using it as a comparison and say, feel sorry for me. Paul was just saying, hey, look, if God called this one to be married, then so be it. We've already, we've already beat this horse, right? If God called this one to be single, then so be it. But more than anything, how are you giving God glory in it? Are you giving God glory in what God called you to, where God called you, and how you're exercising that freedom that God gave you in Christ. And uh, I, I love this. I love this passage of Scripture. I'm going to leave you with one more quote, and then I'm going to be done, okay? Uh, Dr. Warren Wiersbe. I love Dr. Warren Wiersbe as well. Listen to this. He said, Paul's goal in life was to glorify the Lord by winning the lost and building up his saints. To reach this goal, he was willing to pay the price. He was willing to give up his personal rights he sacrificed immediate gains for eternal rewards. The part that got me was he was willing to pay the price. What I want us to teach, we talked about our children this morning. What I want us to teach our children, right, is that it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. In this world, it's going to cost us to serve in kingdom ministry. There are going to be times 
when we have to forfeit rights so that we can preach the gospel and teach the gospel and win lost souls. There are going to be times um, when it hurts. There's going to be times when it's not comfortable, okay? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm tired of those prosperity preachers. You're going to get everything you want, when you want it, how you want it. Uh, you preaching out of a different gospel, brother, whoever you are, because that's not what I read. I, what I read is when Jesus says the world's going to hate you. You want to know why? Because the world hated me first. Why don't they preach that in their prosperity gospel? I'll tell you this. My God's got me. My God's got me. Look, it, somebody could come in and shoot me dead. My God's got me. Right? My God's got me. I may be broke tomorrow. I may not be able to pay my bills. I may have to declare bankruptcy and move in with my mama. <laughs> who I know would cook a good meal for me. But guess what? God's got her. And if he's got her, he got me. There are going to be times when I'm not going to be comfortable. There are going to be times when I'm in a place where, to be honest with you, I don't want to be. But if that's where God wants me to be, and he gets glory, then I'm going to beat myself, right? I'm going to, I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to train for those moments. And... and I'm willing to pay the price. My question is, are you, are you willing to pay the price? Because it's going to cost us. Kingdom ministry is going to cost us. How dare we say it's not? It is. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us resources. It's going to cost us prayers. Think about that. It's going to cost us. And so we got to get out of this mindset that it's all fun and all games and all clap and yeehaw. It's not. Thank God for those moments when we can celebrate. I'm going to tell you something. Lord willing, you come next Sunday morning, we're going to have a celebration. Because Lord willing, we're going to be baptizing 12 to 14 people next Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't never done it before. So I might have to have somebody come up here and help me. I mean, that's the best message to preach. Is in that water, right? Lost souls testifying how God saved them through Jesus Christ. Dead in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. That's, that's a message all on its own right there. And so I'm all for those moments to celebrate, but how many prayers? How many prayers were sacrificed up for that one who said yes to Jesus? How many times did it take for you to volunteer to go down there and serve in children's ministry and teach that lesson to that child that said yes to Jesus. Don't tell me it didn't cost. Because it did. There's a price to pay. Are you willing to pay that price? I said it tonight like I said it this morning. I thank God that you are. You are a church that models, right? That models what's important. Lost souls being saved. The saints being discipled and edified. Let's keep that up. Let's never lose that focus. It's not about how comfortable that chair is. I'm going to tell you, I hope one Sunday night we don't have a meal and we have to set out three more tables. Right? And we laugh, but I hope that that's a problem. I, I, I hope we have to put more tables out even when we don't have the kitchen open. Right? See, Satan would love to plant that in my mind. Oh, the only reason they're there is because you're feeding them. Maybe so. I still get to preach the word to them. 
right? Because we locked them doors and they ain't getting out until I get done. <laughs> Bet y'all didn't know that, did you? No, that's illegal. I'm being recorded. We don't do that. I got to be careful, don't I? So, are you willing to pay the price? You don't have to answer me right now. Think about that. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing, right, to forfeit the freedoms you have in this life if it will help someone else? If it will lead to an opportunity to share the gospel and win someone to the Lord? Are you willing to get uncomfortable? Are you willing to hurt a little bit? Are you willing to miss something, right? Immediate for an eternal reward. Paul was. (laughs) Man, that's good stuff.